Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of Evanston. This Sunday sermon was given by Senior Pastor, Reverend Dr. Ray Hilton. If you'd like more information about First Presbyterian Church of Evanston, please visit firstpresevanston.org. Good morning. Our scripture reading today is from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, in the New Testament section of our Red Bibles, beginning on page 1. Please join me in a prayer for illumination. God, source of all light, by your word we give light to the soul. Pour out upon us the spirit of wisdom and understanding, that, being taught by you in Holy Scripture, our hearts and minds may be open to know the things pertaining to life and holiness, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Matthew 2, verse 1. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they heard the king, they set out. And there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This is the word of the Lord. Well, Happy New Year, First Prayers. It is great to see all of you here today on this first Sunday of the new year that we would start the year out worshiping our God. 
I want to begin by taking us back to October and November of last year, because during those two months, we spent time encouraging our congregation to see the power of money, to see the power of how we can use money as a measurement of our devotion to Jesus Christ. And I think the message and the emphasis was effective in the sense that so many of you responded to our, our desire to see God's work in the church and outside of our church and in our community grow and expand. And I want to thank all of you who have participated in this way. There's a verse in the Bible that I read often to remind me of why I am a Christian, of what God expects of me. And it's a verse that I want to share with you. I know you know it well. It says, religion that is pure and undefiled before God is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. And so what we do with our money really is a testament to how we are living in the world, what our faith really means. To disconnect our faith from money, I think, would be ruinous for our soul. But I also want to make the same argument, though, as we start the new year regarding time. Because just like money, time is a gift from God. We don't make time, right? We receive time. And how we use our time speaks volumes. How we use our money speaks volumes. How we use our time speaks volumes in some very concrete ways about our faith. Think about it this way. Without the gift of time, we would not be able to practice the virtues of prayer and kindness and mercy Without time, we would not be able to practice repentance and faithfulness and gentleness and forgiveness and self-control and love. And just as babies need time to grow from infancy to adulthood, just as seedlings need time to grow eventually into a mighty oak tree, we as Christians need time. We need time to mature. We need time to, uh, to seek God. We need time to embody the mind and the heart of Christ. We need time. You think about the mission of our church. You think about why we are here. We're here in a worship service like this. We are here as part of a congregation like this to use the time that God has given to us so that we can grow into Christ, embody the attitude and the heart of Christ to the world. The mission of our church is to know Christ and to grow in him and to serve him and to make disciples right here in Evanston and in Chicago and around the world. And in order to do that, we need to use our time and to use it in a way that is wise and is helpful to the glory of God. 
The challenge that we face, though, is that we live in a very sophisticated world now. I call it a non-theistic world where time is disconnected from God. We live in a world where time is no longer seen as a gift from God, but rather as something we use for our personal gratification. Just like money, money is used not as a way to glorify God anymore. It's used to glorify, well, what I want. And I think the same thing is happening where time in a non-theistic world is used for personal consumption. Why am I going into all of this? Because over the next four Sundays, we would like to challenge the notion that time is only for what I want to do with my time. We will spend a very short series, teaching series over these next four Sundays, talking about what we call marking time. Marking time. Because I really believe, I believe that time is much more valuable than money. Because you can use your time to make money, but you can't use your time, you can't use your money to purchase more time. And let me tell you why I say that. Every day, each day, we only have 24 hours. Nobody possesses more time than anyone else. Everyone from mothers to money managers and all down the line, we have the same amount of time. We live it a second, a minute, hourly, daily, until they're all used up. Every single minute, every single second is used up, and once it's gone, it's gone. It can never be regained. And it is in this sense that I'm saying that money cannot buy more time. And so as Christians, how do we mark time? How do we mark time? I'd like to suggest to you that there really is a thing called the stewardship of time. Now, just as we spent the months of October and November encouraging you to be good stewards of money, we want to encourage you, my brothers and sisters, to be good stewards of your time. It's interesting. We sometimes forget that Jesus submitted himself to the constraints of time, and, and I'm just blown away by that. The God who was before all eternity, before all time. We see this God sub submitting himself to the constraints of time. Look at this passage from Galatians 4, where it says that when the fullness of time had come. See that? That's God's time. God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. And so Jesus entered time, and he lived under the constraints of time, and from his birth to his death, and I, I just quickly added it up, Jesus lived a total of 12,045 days. If indeed the biblical record is true that Jesus died at the age of 33, he lived for 12,000 in his human state, 12,045 days. It's not a lot of time, is it? And so on a Sunday like this, Epiphany Sunday, where we mark Epiphany time, 
I think it's good for us just to pause for a moment and examine what we're doing with our time. The word epiphany means, it means to show forth. It means manifestation, the manifestation of God's presence. And if you go back and look at the story in Luke and in, in Matthew, God manifested himself to the kinds of people that many of us don't want to be friends with. That teenage girl who got pregnant out of time. That older man who had the audacity to marry this younger woman. Those lowly shepherds that people would dismiss. The magi from the east. And we understand them to be, to be pagan worshipers. That in, in that time, in that fullness of time, God revealed himself to these kinds of people. When God revealed himself at the fullness of time, it was done at a time of political uncertainty, political turmoil. Matthew tells us that when the wise men came to Jerusalem and asked the question, all they did was ask a question, and Herod's day was wrecked. Because you see, he was a very insecure man. He was a very fearful man. He was threatened by the question, where is the one who is born king of the Jews? I thought I was the only king. And when Jesus appeared in our world as God in the flesh, he came at a time when Herod was going out. He was an old man. You know, we know very little about these wise men. We know they came from the east. And we could say by coming from the east, maybe they were coming from somewhere like Babylon or what we call Iraq today. They came looking. They came following a star. They were the first. They were the first to be the worshipers of this God who has now come into the world. And they brought with them, and maybe this is why they brought with them these three Gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And tradition tells us then that because they brought three gifts, it means that there were possibly three wise men, but we don't know that, do we? The Gospel of Matthew doesn't say how many of them came, but here's what we know. Like all of us, they used their time. They used their time. They used their money. And they traveled at great expense and at great exposure to danger. They traveled from their home seeking truth, seeking God. And I think the wise men represent the Gentile world's quest to know God. That God, as we read in the Bible, came to his own, his own people. Jesus, Messiah, came to the Jewish people. But he didn't forget the Gentile people. They were seeking God. And I think the wise men represent our search for God. And what a, what a stunning contrast. And we heard it in the prayer of confession. How Herod and the Magi claimed to be seeking God, but their objectives and their motivations were so different. Herod was insincere. He said, yeah, when you find him, come and tell me because I want to worship him too. On the other hand, the wise men, they were truly seeking the king. Their hearts were sincere, and they brought their gifts, and when they found him, they fell to their knees, and they worshipped him. And they brought gold 
and the gold represents the gold that is given to a king. And they brought frankincense, and the frankincense represents the worship that is offered. It's burnt in the temple by the priest as an offering to the king, as an offering to God. They brought frankincense, they brought myrrh, and the myrrh was often used as a spice to embalm the body, possibly anticipating, some theologians and commentators say, to anticipate the ultimate death of Jesus Christ. The wise men seeking I have a question for you. When you look back on 2019, what did you bring in response to God's activity in your life? How did you invest your time and your money in 2019? In some ways, that's a ridiculous question. It's a worthless question, and I'll tell you why. Because so what? The calendar is rolled over, 2019 is over, and we could celebrate what we did in 2019, and we could lament the things we didn't do in 2019, but 2019 is over. We can't go back and change anything, but here we are in 2020. We can't do anything about past time, but we have present time, and we're hoping we will have future time. And so let me go back to the question again. How will you invest your time? Now, granted, we don't know how long we're going to live. We really don't know. We don't know the conditions we will encounter in 2020. We don't know the trials that we will face. We don't know the troubles that are awaiting us, whether as a church or as families or as individuals. We don't know the disappointments and the failures that we will encounter in 2020 because in many ways those are beyond our control. As much as we want to know the future, we can't control fully what the future might hold for us. But I think where we can exert our control is with our time, and it starts now, to exert control by including in our usage of time, time to seek God. Now, I don't know why you came to church today. I don't know why any of us go to church if for any other reason than to seek God, to know God in a deeper way, so that we can be people who are difference makers in the world. I know that church has become a very complicated place these days for so many of us, and people are turned off by the complexity of what church has become. But when it's all said and done, the reason why we gather as a community is to seek God and to know God in a deeper way so that we can be difference makers in the world. Let me tread very carefully here, though. I've been a pastor long enough, and I'm guilty of striking the wrong note when I talk about money and when I talk about time. And if I'm not careful, I can very easily lead people to guilt instead of leading people to God. So I'm not here in talking about money or time to berate anyone and to say, you know, you bad people, why don't you do more? 
that's not what I'm doing. And if that's what you think I'm doing, that I'm leading you down the wrong path, I want to lead you to think about God. I want to be very careful when I say that. Because here's the good news about the gospel. The message of the scripture, the message of the gospel, has never, ever, ever, ever been about human beings seeking God. Never. As much as you read the story of the wise men leaving their home to go to Jerusalem, you say, well, how did that happen? Did they just wake up one morning and say, we want to know the meaning of this star. I want to believe that it, it goes all the way back to the book of Genesis, that in the beginning God said, let there be light, and God put the firmament, God put the stars in the sky, God created everything and said it was good. From the very beginning of the Bible, the message of the scriptures has always been that God takes the first step. It is never about us seeking God. It is always about God seeking us. God takes the first step. God calls us. God stirs us. And I pray that's what will happen for many of us this year. God awakens us, and I pray that will happen for many of us this year, that you and I will be so ready that we don't want to just hit repeat on the way we lived from 2019 to 2020, but that somehow there would be an awakening within us. God would show up. God would wake us up. And I know it sounds strange, because as much as I'm saying that we would wake up and we would seek God, I am still saying that that is only possible because God makes it happen. God seeks us out. God stirs us. God sends the Holy Spirit upon us. And so I want to say to you this morning that seeking God is never an achievement. And I know for us in the religious circles, we, we just get that so confused, even as a pastor, we get it so mixed up because it's so easy to look the part and play the part and say the part and, 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 and all of that good stuff, and yet it is all coming from the outside and never from that real place where God is calling us. I'm asking of us to see this gift of time as an opportunity to seek God, to respond. That's a better word to respond to God's presence in our lives. And so think about it this way. If you and I, by the gift and the grace of God, would live to the end of this year, December 31st, 2020, and notice I said if, because I don't know. I want to live, but I don't know that. But if we live to December 31st, 2020, we would have spent 7,000, 8,000, I'm sorry, 8,706 hours. Can I say that again? So, so if we live through the year and get to December 31st, 2020, we would have expended 8,000. We would have spent 8,706 hours. And so the question then is how much of those hours and with all, with everything in my being, when, when I encouraged you to use your money to glorify God, I, I, I am standing here with the same fiber, the same passion, the same fire that's within me. I'm asking you with everything that is in me to ponder what you're going to do with those 8,000 plus hours in 2020. How much of that you will use to respond to God's activity in your life? Will you seek God? 
in 2020. And so here's, here are my, and I'm not even calling them goals or New Year's resolutions because this is just my life quest. That if God gives me life and I get to December 31st, 2020, I'm hoping that I can look back and I would see that for every hour or every day of 2020, I was doing these four things. These four things are my Eastern star that's drawing me when I wake up in the mornings, that I'm taking time to meditate and to pray. That's a response to God. That I'm taking time to listen to God's voice because God speaks every day through Holy Scripture. And if you've never heard God's voice, it's because you're not listening as you read the Scriptures. I'm also trusting in 2020, as I look back on the year, that my life would show evidence that I took time as I prayed and I read God's Word, that I actually put it into practice, that I loved my enemy and I loved my neighbor and I cared for the vulnerable. And I spoke up for those who can't speak for themselves, that I took time to obey God. And then last of all, I'm hoping if I live long enough to get through this year, that I'd be able to look back on this year and say, you know, I can see evidence over this year that I took time to serve others. How are you going to use your time? How are you going to budget your time? You know what my heart's desire is? I would like to invite you to adopt some of those goals, responses to God in 2020. Because when you do that, you are shifting from just talking like a Christian, looking like a Christian, sounding like a Christian, to actually practicing and seeking and pursuing God. Would you join me in that? I've been doing it already. It's only five days in. I actually didn't do it this morning. I said, Judith, let's get up. Let, 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 let's get this. Let's spend some time praying together. Let's spend some time reading scripture. And we, you know, as we say in Jamaica, you dilly-dally. You know, you ever dilly-dallied before? You kind of, let me check my email. Let me make a cup of tea. Let me go do this. Let me go. Oh, my goodness. We better get ready to go to church. Didn't happen. So, you know, as much as I'm setting those goals, I've already messed up on four of the five days already. But I'm asking you, though, to join me. And we're not going to get it right. We're going to dilly-dally. But I'm asking you to join me in some of those. You wake up or before you go to bed, take some time to meditate and pray. Take some time to listen to God through Holy Scripture. Figure out, how can I put this to work in my life and actually obey what the Bible says? And I'm going to take some time to serve others. So let's start today as we come to the communion table where the love of God is revealed through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, through his death on the cross for you and for me. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and God's people say, Amen. Amen.